Our scripture reading on this Trinity Sunday comes from John's Gospel. They're the first 17 verses of the third chapter and include what are perhaps some of the best known verses and the children leaving and the parents smiling remind me of something. Um, If you have a child in worship with us today who would like to go to Children's Chapel, Frida is right over yonder and you are welcome to go meet her and go to a time for children's worship. Sorry about that. Friends, can everyone hear okay also? Yeah? All right. We're still learning the sound system here. So today, our verses, as I was saying, come from the third chapter of John's Gospel, the first 17 verses, and include what are perhaps some of the best-known pericopes, if you will, the best-known lines, certainly of John's Gospel, and for some in all the Scriptures, especially verse 16. But there is a larger story within which those verses are situated. And so I invite you to listen now as we hear that larger story from John's Gospel, the third chapter, the first 17 verses. Friends, let us listen now for a word from God. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, saying, Very truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised, Nicodemus, at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Today's sermon is titled, Begin Again. Let us pray. Triune God, send your spirit. Send your spirit that it would quiet whatever is stirring within, that it would ease the weight of whatever burdens it is we are carrying this day. Send your spirit that it would move amongst and amidst us, that somehow, O oh God, through its work, the words of my mouth might not be my words alone, but your word, and that the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight, O oh God, would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So these verses that we have just read are the first or among the first dialogues between Jesus and others in all of John's gospel. And frankly, not unlike the doctrine of the Trinity itself, this story is a confusing one, at least to me. Take Nicodemus for starters. Nicodemus introduced to us here as a Pharisee, an interesting detail given that the Pharisees elsewhere in John's gospel are time and again portrayed as being the very enemy of Jesus' ministry. And yet here is a Pharisee who comes to Jesus with an air of admiration almost. Certainly respect. He addresses Jesus as rabbi. Rabbi, he says to this itinerant preacher with no fancy degrees on his wall. Rabbi. Then consider for a moment the time of day that all of this happens. It doesn't happen in the early morning hours. It doesn't happen in the high heat of the middle of the day. It happens when? In the dark of night. John loves this play between light and dark. Right from the get-go, we keep encountering him pulling in these little details. Is it night or is it day? Is it day or is it night? The nighttime to John's ancient audience would have conjured images and been associated with things like sin and evil and torture and violence. What in the world are Jesus and Nicodemus doing up in the middle of the night? And then you get to the dialogue itself. It's this conversation that is centered entirely on a misunderstanding. Nicodemus, Jesus says, you have to be born again. Well, how can that be? And back and forth they go. Right, I sometimes wonder if the confusing nature of this story is what makes it so prone to being boiled down to a single verse a sign behind home plate that says John 3.16, right? I wonder if it's not that confusing nature that makes it so easy to boil it down to just a few sound bites, to strip away all of those details, the subtleties of the conversation, the meaning that lies underneath the misunderstanding, to strip away Nicodemus himself how often is it that we talk about John 3.16 and don't have a clue that it's language that comes from the story of a Pharisee named Nicodemus? 
I wonder if it's not the confusing nature that makes it easy to strip away all of that detail until all we're left from this passage is essentially a billboard with an 1-800 number and two stark options. Be born again or perish. I think sometimes if we get lost in those sound bites, And focusing in just on that one or two verses in this passage, we risk missing the fact that this story is really one about transformation. And not just transformation on the other side of the grave either, transformation here and now for the living of these days. I once read a story about a baptism that John Buchanan once did at Fourth Church in Chicago. In the Presbyterian tradition, there are these words that the officiant always says over the child following the baptism with their hair still wet. They say something like, child of the covenant, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in your baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Buchanan held a child one Sunday there in front of that congregation and he said those words and as if on cue, quite unexpected, but quite clearly, the child said, uh-oh, Buchanan called it a stunning theological affirmation. This to me is an uh uh-oh moment for Nicodemus. Right, Nicodemus has come to Jesus with a rather simple inquiry. Tell me about all these signs and wonders. Right, he comes with a respect for Jesus. He expects polite conversation. Maybe at the end of the night he can even get a picture with the Messiah. But what he finds is that Jesus is not interested in our respect. He's not interested in our polite conversation, not then, not now. No, you see, what Jesus is interested in is something more. He wants transformation. Jesus Jesus looks into Nicodemus' eyes and he says, I want something more from you than polite conversation, Nicodemus. I want your life, all of it, right? I want to transform you from the inside out. I want you to be born again right here, right now, today. You can almost hear the sounds forming in the back of Nicodemus' throat. Uh-oh. The late Peter Gomes was a professor of preaching at Harvard Divinity School for many years, the minister of the Harvard Memorial Church. And he once wrote that in his mind to be born again, when the Gospels talk about being born again, what it's really talking about is being given a second chance. Be born again is to receive a second chance. I wonder if that's not what Jesus is really offering Nicodemus on that night all those years ago. A chance to begin again. Right, what does he say to him? Nicodemus, listen, I came not to condemn you. I came to save you. Right, Nicodemus, you don't have to run around in the middle of the night anymore. 
Right? There's something more to your life, Nicodemus. You're more than that fancy title you love to throw around as a member of the Jewish ruling council. You're more than the the sum total of all your past experiences, both good and bad. Right? Listen, Nicodemus, Jesus says, you're more than your divorce. You're more than your illness. You're more than your mistakes. You're more than your dependency. You're more than your regrets. You're more than your test score at the end of the school year. You're more than just a number on a scale. You're more than just a dollar sign on a bank account. Right, Nicodemus, by God's sheer grace, the slate has been wiped clear. By God's sheer grace, Nicodemus, you can start over. Today, you can be born again. Right? Give me your life, Jesus says to Nicodemus. Right? Give me your life. And I will show you life eternal. Someone once told me a story about a first cousin they have. His cousin was born and raised in a small town somewhere outside Augusta, I think. 1940s, 1950s, it was a deeply, deeply, deeply segregated place. His cousin fell in love with a local boy. They got married, started a family. And when their kids were old enough, their daughter also fell in love with another local boy and was married The only problem with this marriage, at least in the mind of the husband of this person's cousin, the father of this girl, was that the man she fell in love with was black. From the moment they were married, completely shut him out. Wouldn't talk to him, wouldn't see him would cross to the other side of the street if they ran into each other downtown. Nothing. Even when this daughter and her husband began their own family and had a small child, a little girl, wouldn't give them the light of day. Fast forward three or four years, there was a family funeral. And for the first time in anyone's memory, both The daughter and her husband and their little girl found themselves in the same space as her dad and her mom. After the service, there was a reception in the social hall. And the little girl, the granddaughter, she spotted her granddaddy across the room, recognized him from the pictures, I guess. She ran across to him. She wrapped her arms around his legs and she looked up into his eyes and she said, Granddaddy, why do you hate me? I don't know what that man thought. I don't know what he said. But I kind of imagine it might have sounded something like, "Uh uh-oh. Because that's what love Love that comes not to condemn, but to save. Love like that, that wraps itself around us, that's what that kind of love does. 
right? That's what, what love that, that wraps itself around us and, and asks not just for a piece of us, but for all of us. That's what love like that does, isn't it? It shakes us to our core. It changes something deep in our soul, changes us from the inside out. It transforms us, all of us. It transforms us on the spot. Right then, right there, right now. The person who told me about the story in their family said that that little girl's granddaddy looked down at her and began just weeping, just weeping there in that room, heavy sobs. And he reached down and for the first time in his life he picked his granddaughter up. And he embraced her in a bear hug. And for the rest of their lives, those two, they were almost inseparable. Friends, the point is this. It is never too late to begin again. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, thanks be to God.